Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kali. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of world-renowned uh, speaker, uh, Darren Jacklin. Uh, welcome to the show, Darren. I appreciate your time today. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So for, for those of you who don't know who Darren is, uh, Darren has been working in the philanthropy, real estate, and world speaking t- uh, circuit for the last 25 years. He has traveled uh, four continents and personally trained and developed over 1 million people in over 50 countries. Wow. Uh, he has mentored entrepreneurs, business owners on specific and measurable strategies that have turned into increased income for businesses and turned a lot more obstacles uh, into cash flow and a lot more profits. Darren has been featured in a lot lot of media, uh, Wall Street Journal, Yahoo Finance, NBC, CBS, Global TV, Tiger 21, a lot of family offices. The list goes on and on. And Darren has been featured as an international celebrity in the 2015 movie, The Treasure Map. Currently, Darren sits on a lot of international boards of directors and advisory boards of public and private companies. So it, it will be a fun conversation. I am personally looking forward to it. Uh, thank you, Darren, for your time. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, for those of our listeners who have not had a much more diverse and a detailed background of you, uh, please share with us more details as to what your focus is. Sure, you bet. Great. Thank you so much, Sakar, for allowing me to be here. So I'll share a little bit about the backstory that uh, people don't see is they see the highlights kind of like in sports. You see all the sports scoreboard and sure. you see the, the real on TV. Um, over the last several years of my life, I'm 47 years of age now, but turned 48 in August. I've had a lot of adversities, failures, challenges, setbacks in my life. It's been a roller coaster at times as well. Sure. Uh, for some people who don't know, if they've not done any research or due diligence on me, you know, I was a kid who barely passed public high school. Uh, in fact, grade one, I failed grade one of public school and was misdiagnosed with a learning disability and a reading disability. And from grade one through grade 12, I was in special education classes. Wow. And so when mm. I was seven years old, I created my first little company called Rent-A-Kid. And I would go out and cut grass, shovel sidewalks in the wintertime, shovel mm-hmm. the snow, and deliver newspapers six days a week. And what I realized by being a D student or let's say the dumbest kid in school was I could hire the A students, the smart kids to work with me and build sure. teams and teamwork. And so by the time I was nine years of age, I hired the best smart kids in my school because mm-hmm. they weren't always in the same class because I was in special education classes. Sure. I hired mm-hmm. the kids in the school to do work with me. I'd go out and knock on all the doors and do all the cold calling in the residential areas. You had the marketing the and salesman's piece. Right? You betcha. And I was the guy that always, I didn't run the day-to-day operations. Sure. I had mm-hmm. the smart people run the day-to-day operations for me. Then they would just give me a report and I would just delegate responsibility but maintain the control. And so today I'm grateful to um, you know, serve on four different paid boards of directors, one being a public company on NASDAQ, 
we took that company from a startup to a billion dollar company get it wow. up list to mm -hmm. NASDAQ. It's in, the, it's in the real estate space. We have over 30,000 licensed real estate agents across the United States, America, Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom, and expanding uh, internationally in other countries as well, and also continents, which I'm grateful for. Wow. And then I mm -hmm. also have a real estate portfolio, primarily of passive investments of you know, car washes, REITs, mix, uh, mortgages, and then do we do philanthropy real estate investing. Uh, Tatiana and I last year in 2019, Tatiana is my partner in life, Mm -hmm. um, we created our own private family foundation here in Canada mm -hmm. and we've contributed between now and 2030 to put a hundred million dollars through that foundation for global philanthropy projects. Wow. So what we mm -hmm. do is we're looking at building out a multi-million dollar investment portfolio over the next couple of years of income producing assets that will cash flow back to an investor. So he or she as an investor gets a return on investment, but also some of that cash flow flows through to the foundation for global philanthropy projects. And that's really what inspires us is that Tatiana and I are not motivated by making money. We're motivated and inspired by making an impact. And one of the things that we live by in our lives and our relationship and our group of companies is how many lives can we positively impact and influence throughout the journey of our life? So when we get to the end of our life and hopefully we're on our deathbed and that's the way we go, um, that we can look back and reflect on the experiences and memories of living an extraordinary quality of life, sure. but also mm -hmm. all the people's lives that we touch globally across this planet through philanthropy and through and doing different humanitarian projects to make a positive difference. We look at it as our, you know, our planetary assignment. So we love real estate because it's bricks and mortar. Sure. Mm -hmm. And we love cash flow, primarily passive cash flow, that right. it produces monthly or quarterly cash flow or dividends. And that's what I like to do is that sure. is work in that area. So that gives you a little context more about my background of, uh, you know, I live to give and make a difference in people's lives. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And I appreciate uh, you sharing that perspective. And I always like to say that, you know, sure, real estate is a medium uh, of things, but obviously the greater good and the giving back and the philanthropy element that you said is definitely something that I think keeps us going and makes us regenerated, as, you know, especially as we grow older. I think that's, that's the aspect of giving back that we always love. Uh, so, uh, Dan, if I, if I may, we always talk about on the show about, um, you know, of course, uh, multifamily investment, passive investments, why real estate, what submarkets, and, you know, all the details. Uh, if I may today, I want to delve into, uh, you know, sort of your expertise in terms of you have coached uh, hundreds and hundreds of CEOs so far, and you've seen a pattern of people and you know how how we can achieve high performance uh, focus on automations business uh, processes and uh, you know sort of delegating the duties and things like that so i want to you know uh, turn our podcast and discussion towards uh, some of those aspects and i feel that um, audience will love to hear what you have to say and what experiences you have had uh, so I, I appreciate your time and expertise in this so uh, with that, uh, Darren, I, I want to sort of, uh, you, you know, preface this by saying that, uh, you know, a lot of our investors are independent business owners who are trying to do our best and, you know, maximize the time, the people, the resources that we have. Uh, so we have our own self-education to do, our own limiting self-beliefs to clear sometimes, and sort of, you know, charting that course that, whether we want to be like how big we want, you know, what we want to achieve, right? What we want to give back, you know, all those elements that you said, right? So I want to ask you that, um, 
you know, you've seen many businesses so far, right? You've seen so many people. Uh, give us a, a good sense of, you know, what it takes for someone to become a high performer or what are some of the things that you have seen uh, folks uh, who have the best performance or the great habits and what that separates people from, you know, just the mediocre or just doing the busy activities as we call it? Great question. So yeah, really, really great question. So one of the things that I've seen is a constant theme across the planet, whether you're in Dubai or Saudi Arabia, you're in Singapore, you're in Australia, you're in all the different cities or countries or continents, is what are we solving for? So when you sure. talk to a high performer, mm -hmm. men or woman, it could mm -hmm. be an Elon Musk, it could be an Oprah Winfrey, whoever this person is, what are they solving for? So I deal a sure. lot with different family offices, a lot of high net worth and ultra high net worth families and individuals around the world. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they're always doing is that what are we solving for? Sure. So the, the clarity of, or the focus of the direction and the goals we are shooting, is that kind of where you're going? Absolutely. Yeah. So like for example, mm -hmm. myself with link foundation, the foundation that Titi and I created our family foundation, mm -hmm. what we're solving for is global philanthropy. And what I mean by that is if we look at, you know, child hunger, child poverty, child mm -hmm. sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. to, to mitigate that in regards to no child should go to bed hungry, mm -hmm. no child should be trafficked or sex trafficked or organ harvested. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So we solve for that in regards to, you know, whether it's slowing down the child sex trafficking industry by putting some speed bumps along the way mm -hmm. for people that do that and prey on those innocent children. Um, another thing is too, is creating sustainability in third world mm -hmm. countries. Mm -hmm. So that's what we solve for. And so when somebody's self-employed or an entrepreneur, you know, you, you got to figure out what is your why, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Also, what, what are you solving for? So I'll sure. give an example. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we looked at with the residential real estate company that I serve on the board of directors for as a public company, mm -hmm. what we solve for is we wanted to disrupt an industry that had been around for decades that was not taking care of the agent. It was transactional versus relational. And we wanted to create the relationship business to solve for, to give an, a licensed residential real estate agent an opportunity for mm -hmm. him or her that when they got through the length of their career, whether it's 10 or 15 or 25 years into their career, being a commissioned salesperson, mm -hmm. they had something to look forward to towards the end of their career mm -hmm. to create some financial security for them, for them and their family. So we I were see. solving mm -hmm. for it. Some of the companies that I invest in or also serve on the board of directors for, what we solve for is to make a disruption of a change. And one of the things I've, I've noticed with high performance people mm -hmm. is if you can focus on something to disrupt that industry, mm -hmm. right? Disrupt it. Like what's not working. Like a lot of times employees will work in a factory or work in a company mm -hmm. or business organization. They're like, Oh my gosh, upper management never listens to me. The union mm -hmm. never listens to me. My boss never listens to me. The only company never listens to me. Sure. So what happens mm -hmm. is that person says, you know what? Enough is enough. What if I, you know, save up some money to have a three to six months reserve of cash mm -hmm. as an emergency mm -hmm. fund. And I venture off on my own and go on those skinny branches to venture off from being an employee to an entrepreneur, to self-employed and go out there. And a lot of times we see disgruntled employees. And I know from my corporate training background where I see disgruntled employees are like, okay, enough is enough. The company's not going to change. Our culture's not going to change. Upper management or ownership's not going to listen to us. So why don't I go out there and pivot and make a difference? Sure. And so one of the ways in terms of building financial wealth is looking at what are we solving for, mm -hmm. but also because there's no spare customers. That's mm -hmm. something that people understand is that whenever you're building something, there's no spare customers, there's no spare clients. I see. That's can, why can you, you elaborate take... what you mean by that spare clients so or spare customers? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when people are building a company, 
or an mm -hmm. organization, mm -hmm. uh, especially this online internet marketing today, like people, you know, Amazon affiliates and people like that, they think, oh, there's, you know, 7.8 billion people roughly on the planet. Again, that's changing all the time. So there's lots and lots and lots of people on the planet. Mm -hmm. But what I mean by there's no spare customers or clients is it takes a lot for a customer client acquisition, sure. time, mm -hmm. money, and financial dollars to bring that person on mm -hmm. and then to onboard them as a paying client or customer to your business. Mm -hmm. A lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of expense. And human resources are labored to do that, right? Sure. Unless it's automated. Mm -hmm. So when a mindset of an employee, when a, when a business owner can think, oh my gosh, there's no spare customers. So one of the things that really frustrates me is I travel the world a lot. And mm -hmm. when I go, I'm in different time zones, different cities, different countries, sometimes, you know, it depends on what's going on. If I'm jet lagged or if I'm in different time zones, a different country, my sleep cycle or my rhythm changes, right? So if I'm, mm -hmm. I live here in West Vancouver, Canada, but sometimes I'm over in Uganda, East Africa, or I'm over in different places. Well, when I wake up, one of the things I want to do is if I'm ordering room service in my hotel, I don't care what time of day it is. If I want something, I want to order it. I'll pay a little extra service fee for it, for sure, sure. but I want that. Mm -hmm. I want mm -hmm. the convenience. I'm staying in a nice hotel and I've worked my butt off to get to this level of life and stage of life to be able to, to earn that and to afford that. I want that. So what happens is, it, is I hear the word no. And that's thing with, with there's no spare customers, no spare clients is, are you always telling your paying customer clients, no, we can't do that. No, that doesn't work here. No, that's not how it happens. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is we're in a competitive world today of a global marketplace. And mm -hmm. if you keep telling your paying customers or clients, no, we can't do that here. Guess what? They're going to go online to Google or go online to the internet. And they're going to search and find somebody who can say yes. Sure. And guess sure. what? They're going to disappear because people are voting with their wallets. People are voting with their purses. They're, they're voting with their financial dollars saying, okay, when I do business with this person, is it a fair means of exchange? And mm -hmm. so people need to look is that when you've got your clients or customers, are you building a relational business or a transactional business? Mm -hmm. I'll give you a quick example. I'm on social media and I get approached constantly people on LinkedIn and Facebook and other platforms mm -hmm. and they're pitching and selling. Like they, they, they don't even build relationship equity. Like they don't even ask me, Sakar, how are you? Or what are you up to? Or what are you working on? Or what, you know, tell me more about you, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's with my group of companies or with our private family foundation, Link Foundation, nobody, nobody does any discovery. There's no, there's no getting relatedness. Right, right. And so what happens is if we're not related, you don't create any possibilities. It's sure. like, a, and mm -hmm. what I mean by relatedness is building reports. Like if you want to go on a date with somebody and all of a sudden you want to get into with that person, but there's no report or relatedness, well, it's like a one night stand makes sense. And a lot of right. times in business, people create one night stands on social media by trying to meet me because they want to raise money. So they're, they're coming to me as an investor. Sure. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I do is rather than pitch or sell, I educate and I inform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm dealing with high net worth or ultra high net worth investors and I want them to co-invest on a project with me, for example, that I'm raising capital for, what mm -hmm. I do is I'd sit down with you, Sakar, and I'd, I'd meet with you on a discovery call, whether it's on Zoom video conferencing or if it's face-to-face, -face, I'd say, Sakar, you know what, listen, I, I know we've only got an hour, hour and a half here for our lunch meeting, but what I'd like you to do is just invest the first 20 minutes, just getting related to you, sure. just learning mm -hmm. more about you, um, mm -hmm. you know, what your appetite, what your interest is for investing, what you have maybe currently in your portfolio, if you're comfortable with sharing that with me, you know, what your risk tolerance level is, and also really I'd like to unfold with you and have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. We're also really looking at the downside protection strategy of mm -hmm. how we protect to mitigate potential exposure to risks and liabilities of your money. I don't want to focus so much on the, on the blue sky, the, the vision, sell the dream. Sure. Mm -hmm. I want to focus on making sure that your capital, your hard-earned dollars, that that money is protected 
because I've known from experience, Sakar, there's mm -hmm. three types of money. There's calm money, there's cautious money, and there's nervous money. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to get related to you, Sakar, and I'd like to make sure that I earn the right in our relationship as I build relationship equity to you, mm -hmm. that your money, no matter what we do together, no matter how big or small the money, money, if we decide to get involved with each other and money changes hand, I want at all times your money to be calm money. I never want your money to be cautious or nervous or you being up late at night or your spouse or partners having pillow talk with you saying, you know, Sakar, should we have invested with Darren Jackson? Was that the right decision? I'm second guessing myself. My gut mm -hmm. or my intuition is saying something. Mm -hmm. So it's all about how you spend the time investing to build the relationships up front because at the end of the day, we're in the people business. People join people based sure, on, sure. because without integrity, nothing works. Sure, sure. And, and, and I echo your sentiment where I think you are saying that people have so many choices and options. Uh, I think from a customer retention perspective, we are in a very sort of a fragile territory that uh, at a click of a button or a phone call away, you have many options available that you can dial in and, you know, sort of get. So the idea that, okay, having all the options or the many possible options available so that you can serve any uh, choosable customer seems pretty right. And, and now, uh, Darren, uh, I, I wanna maybe, you know, uh, play sort of a villain role here, right? Yeah. So you said something about, okay, we are striving for impact, right? But let's say a common person uh, listening to this podcast says, oh, geez, I want to raise that next $500,000 uh, know, for my next deal. Forget about my impact uh, and the other worldly change that I want to do. And, and where I'm going with this, Darren, is that I want to ask you that what sort of tangible steps that you have advised or seen other people do wherein they are still achieving the big uh, sort of their why or the goals that they want. Uh, but, you know, there has to be that point A to point Z or the baby steps uh, taken in order. Could you maybe elaborate us on some of sure. that perspective as to what, what are Absolutely. your thoughts on that? Well, the biggest thing is, is you know, I was guilty as charged of doing things by myself because mm -hmm. I always wanted to be in control. Sure. And, and, and I learned early on not to be the smartest person in the room. You mm -hmm. want to be the dumbest person in the room. Sure. And mm -hmm. what I've done now in terms of accelerating performance and results, what mm -hmm. we do with a group of companies and our investments and our foundation is building teams of like-minded people to create that culture mm -hmm. and to create that environment where there's psychological safety, that mm -hmm. people feel safe and they feel permission to grow and expand themselves. And a lot of times what people do is when they get into business is it's their baby. Like they, they birthed this startup business. You know, they're going out raising money through friends and family. And, and, and they're so protective of that startup opportunity. The challenge is we all have blind spots as human beings and we don't see the blind spots. And so what I've learned now is the, the term called leveraging where I get around people, uh, just like I serve on paid boards of directors of public and private companies and advisory boards, because the CEO or the founders of these companies know that they're not the smartest people in the room. They know that if they have a smart dream team of like-minded people with years of history and experience, and have the scars on their back to prove it, that they can accelerate performance and results, but also mitigate potential risks to liabilities and exposures to that. So the big thing is, is for people today is get a coach, get a mentor, build, go, join a mastermind. And you, whether you do it online on the internet or you do it offline, is get around other people. So if you're not good with numbers and you're not intimate with your own personal, personal finances, then you wanna bring somebody to you. You know, once you've vetted and done your due diligence on him or her, 
but bring mm -hmm. somebody onto your team locally or virtually mm -hmm. that has an understanding of financial numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have to raise company for a company, no matter what stage you're at, you're always going to be raising capital, looking for investors dollars coming in. So make sure you have somebody who's seasoned in experience with integrity, with a track record of results that can come in and speak that investor language and know how to structure and also protect the investor's money as you grow out and raise capital. Um, it's very important, but building your, building your team is mm -hmm. so important, but also in your own personal life, professional life, one of the things when it comes to, I'll use an example of raising money, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cause I speak at a lot of conferences around the world about raising money and how to do it. Sure. When I first started, I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. So I stayed at the cheapest hotels I could. Mm -hmm. And because they had free continental bread. And I'll tell you, I got busted one day. I'll share a quick story with you. I was at a Holiday Inn one time, and I'm not picking a Holiday Inn. I'm just using this as an example because it's a real-life sure. example of my life. I was staying at a Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn hotel one time in the United States. And I was flat broke financially, living on a shoestring. And I had to have this high net worth accredited investor meet me at the hotel because I couldn't pay for the cab ride or mm -hmm. the Uber ride to go to meet him where he wanted to meet at his office. So mm -hmm. I, I brought the investor to the, the Holiday Inn. Mm -hmm. So the investor came in, a high net worth accredited investor came in. I was wearing my high school graduation suit because that's all I could afford. Mm -hmm. And I still had that suit like 10 years after I graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. And I meet with this investor and I'm raising, I think it was from him, I wanted to raise $400,000. Mm -hmm. And we were raising a few million dollars in total for our project, but we had a couple other people we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And we're looking who would come in for placements of different money. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting down with this guy and I'm pitching and selling versus educate and inform. This is my early days where I was inexperienced and I was just hungry and I was aggressive and I was impatient mm -hmm. and, I, and I had total lack and scarcity mindset versus abundance prosperity mindset. And so I really got schooled. And so that day I'm pitching and selling this guy at, at the free breakfast. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me and he says, can I stop you for a minute, Darren? I said, sure. And he goes, listen, I'm going to give you some feedback and you take it for whatever it's worth. I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to inspire you and empower sure. you up. He says, number one, you're not going to close a million dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I'm not going to close a million dollars, like a million dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. Sure. Mm -hmm. And he goes, number two is, he says, I know right now you're financially struggling. Mm -hmm. I can tell by the clothes that you're wearing. I can tell by the hotel that you're staying at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, how do you know that? He goes, Darren, I used to be like you. Mm -hmm. How do you awesome. think I got here? Mm -hmm. Right? So because behavior never lies. And so what I'm sharing with people, sometimes we hear the same called fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. The challenge mm -hmm. is it's about authenticity and vulnerability and being, sure. in, being our word of integrity. Sure. So what I did is I could have lied to that investor right then and said, oh, you know what you're talking about? And I could have BS'd him and given him sure. a bunch of fluff mm -hmm. and so that. And then all of a sudden he would have just totally not talked to me ever again. But mm -hmm. what I did is I put all my cards on the table and was totally vulnerable. I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I have no money in my bank account right now. I'm staying at a cheap hotel because I can't afford anything right now. I'm on a shoestring budget. I can't sure. even afford the breakfast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just fully transparent with the guy. And, by, and that's a big thing in business is behavior never lies. And mm -hmm. someone like myself, who's very street smarts, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've had the roller coaster rides. I've been on welfare. I've been homeless. I've been behind paying my bills. Mm -hmm. I've owed mm -hmm. people money. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been out of integrity in my life. I've broken promises in my past and I've cleaned all this up this you know, as we learn as, through personal and personal development and taking different courses, having different mentors and coaches. And so what I, what I invite people to consider in their own lives as they're rising and leveling up is mm -hmm. authenticity and vulnerability are so important. Always put all your cards on the table, right? Just be full transparency with an investor. Or if you're hiring someone, sure. listen, mm -hmm. we want to hire you on as a salesperson right now. And listen, we're really tight. 
Like we, we're not sure we're going to be able to make payroll. Mm -hmm. We got to generate some sales here to get some sales coming in to make the cash register ring so we can generate some money to keep staying in business. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I found from experience over the years, just be upfront and honest with people where, what is what, so what's going on mm -hmm. and then manage the story or the mind chatter in our head because there's really no failure. There's action and inaction, sure. right? Mm -hmm. Failure mm -hmm. is the story we make up in our head. Right. Same thing with mm -hmm. fear. There's no such thing as fear. Fear is an anticipation of pain. Right. right. It's anticipated mm -hmm. pain. Fear does not live in action. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the biggest thing is we have to deal with ourselves as human beings mm -hmm. and we we're make wrong machines. We lie to ourselves. We want to put on the mask and we want to look good and we don't want to look bad. And so we have this fake it to make it like, you know, I used to wear the fake watch mm -hmm. until a guy busted one time. He's like, why are you wearing a fake Rolex? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I stopped doing all that stuff to try and impress other people who weren't impressed because they could see right through it. Sure. Now, now, I mean, it's it's very interesting, Diane, and thank you for sharing all the insights and being so humble and honest uh, with us. And there, that goes to your authenticity component right there, right? Mm -hmm. And and I share your feelings where I have come from a similar background where I came. Uh, I mean, I immigrated to United States uh, on I mean, basically zero dollars, I should say, uh, on borrowed money and kind of worked my way through into investing and you know professional career and uh, things like that. And, and and many many of the uh, you know fellow listeners on the podcast as well. There are a lot of success stories that go around on on similar shared uh, uh, grounds, right? Um, I, I want to ask you that. Uh, what were the lessons you have learned uh, from all the trials, tribulations that you have had so far? Uh, you said you were broke, homeless, uh, you know, lots of integrity lapses and things like that. Give us some personal touches uh, and if you can color some uh, in a few uh, uh, minutes about, um, you know, what have you learned? What has the hardship taught you uh, in your life? Good question. Very, very good question. Numbers don't lie. People do pay attention to numbers, mm -hmm. especially if you're in business, mm -hmm. pay attention to numbers. I was in my early days, my twenties, my thirties, I was never intimate with finances, mm -hmm. right? Bills would come in the mail back then before they're electronic and I wouldn't pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. um, I never paid attention to bank accounts because um, I didn't want to know. So I just rounded up mm -hmm. and now I'm very intimate with finances. And so that was a big learning because I, I made up a story going back to my childhood being a kid in school in math class that I was never good. I was never a smart kid in school. So I made up a story and lived through that story. So that was mm -hmm. a big thing for me. Another thing is realizing that, um, you know, I'll, I'll use an example of my own family and not to put my father down. I have a lot of respect for my father. Sure. Mm -hmm. When I was in grade five, one day I wrote a multi multiplication exam and mm -hmm. I memorized the multiplication exam and I got 98% on the exam. And I was so excited because here I am this dumbest kid in school in special mm -hmm. education classes my father was an engineer. My dad was a perfectionist while he was in his career as an engineer. And I remember getting 98% on that exam. I was so excited. Grade five, I ran home from school that day to show my mother and my father. And my mom, who was a nurse, came home. She looked at it. She wanted to put it on the refrigerator as a proud mother. But she said, when your father comes home, show your father. And so my dad comes home same time every day, Monday to Friday. I run up to my father. I show my dad the, the report card, the piece of paper. My dad looks at it. He analyzes it. My father hands me back the piece of paper. What he said to me, he said, son, you missed it by 2%. Then he walked away and washed his hands and sat down for family dinner. Well, at that moment, significant event happened in my life where I internalized that I'm not good enough. 
My, my father didn't say anything to me. He said, son, I'm proud of you. Or you missed it by 2%. You could have done better, son. All he said is, son, you missed it by 2% because he's a perfectionist. He wanted me to get 100%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in our lives is specific events occur in our lives, mm -hmm. right? And what happens is these, these events shape who we are as human beings. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so a big thing going forward and if I'm off on your question, just course. No, no, you're me. fine. You're, you're right on track. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely following you. <laughs> yeah. The biggest thing is, is inside, you know, I would say the game of life is, is one between the two ears. So I'll give you an example. When I joined my first paid board back in 2014, mm -hmm. uh, in 2011, I was flying on an international flight and I was journaling saying, I mm -hmm. want to in the next couple of years, get onto paid boards of directors mm -hmm. of public and private companies and paid advisory boards. Sure. Now, I barely passed public high school. So I went out to all these different people. I met through various different networking groups. And I'm like, we're like, so what are your, some of your goals there? And I'm like, I'm going to serve on paid boards of directors and paid advisory boards. And everybody laughed at me, mm -hmm. made fun of me. Chris, I think, oh, Darren, come on. You never went to Harvard University. You mm -hmm. never went to Stanford University. You never went to Yale. You barely passed public high school. You have no PhD. You have no MBA. Who are you fooling, Darren? Come on, stop mm -hmm. drinking the Kool-Aid. Stop kumbaya here. Get real with yourself right? Be practical. Right. Mm -hmm. But I believed inside myself that I had a gift of a skill set that I wanted to be able to serve and grow and scale companies, even mm -hmm. when everybody else didn't believe in me. And I was getting hugged and slugged and I was getting kissed and kicked. So mm -hmm. I just wrote down. And, and one of the things that I do is like, I have, these are my top 10 personal promises for myself. I, oh, read, I, I, mm -hmm. I read these every day, multiple times. They have 15 copies of this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I carry a copy with me at all times. I have one in my gym bag, my shower, or brush my teeth when I'm flying, my carry-on luggage. And then I have my habits and my core values. Wow, that's and awesome to see. What I also mm -hmm. do too is I have my journal right here. I, mm -hmm. I hand write out 730 times a year, twice a day, my personal promise. Now, I don't call them goals. I don't call them dreams. Mm -hmm. I call them personal promises to myself. I personalize it to myself. Because mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I make a personal promise to myself, that it's something I want to honor and respect and keep. If I set a goal, a goal's out there. It's like sure. a wish or a dream. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that me being on the paid boards of directors, I went to all these people. Well, in 2013, I got a phone call one time from a friend of mine, a high net worth family said, hey, listen, we're looking to invest into this company. We think that you should come back, be part of our due diligence team, mm -hmm. right? And, and consider being a part of the due diligence team. So I did be part of the due diligence team and that unfolded into a paid position being on a board of directors. Now, awesome. why do I show mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. All we are is a network of conversations. Everything we want, everything we need, everything we design in our lives is going to come from strangers. But sure. as children, mm -hmm. we're taught, don't talk to strangers. Mm -hmm. Strangers are unsafe, right? Especially now with this global pandemic of the coronavirus, social distancing. So now we're trying to keep even more of a distance. Now, number one, we don't trust strangers. Right. Now we've got a social distance because they may have an invisible disease that might kill me. Right, right. So we, now let's disconnect from human beings. Right. But right. other human beings have everything we want, everything we need, everything we desire in our lives. So one of the things I always share with people, and if people are taking notes, these are two valuable questions you want to write down and go to work on. Number one is, and here I'll, I'll just set the questions up. Number one is this, is to consider, for every question that you and I don't ask, mm -hmm. the answer is always no. So sure. mm -hmm. the key thing in life and business and how I can grow and scale really fast is by making requests. Okay. Sure. Mm -hmm. Requesting other human beings. So let's look at children. For example, you have, you have one or how many children do you have? Sakar? I, I have two children. Mm -hmm. You have two children. Do sure. your children love ice cream? 
Sure. Did they, Absolutely. Did they ever did they ever ask you for ice cream from the store? They were walking by an ice cream store. It's like, Dad, Dad, can we get some ice cream? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? You might remember as yourself as a child, or people watch or listening, remember as a kid being, you know, wanting ice cream from the store. And like, and what happens is with our kids, or when we were kids, we just want to wear down our parents or grandparents until we get the ice cream. Dad, sure. Dad, can we have ice cream? We we'll just keep asking and asking and asking and asking and making requests. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the thing is. For every question we don't ask, the answer is no. Now, mm -hmm. when we make a request, only one of three things is going to happen. Step number one is people will accept the request. So let's look at real estate, for example, buying and selling real estate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you and I put in an offer to buy a piece of real estate. The other party is going to either step number one, accept the offer. Step number two is they'll decline the offer. Sure. Mm -hmm. Or step number three is they'll counter offer the offer. Right. So they'll mm -hmm. accept decline or counter offer. Sure. So when mm -hmm. we start making requests, what we want to become is request making machines. Mm -hmm. So if you're raising mm -hmm. capital, if you're recruiting people for a business, if you're hiring people, if you're looking for customers or clients, if you want to grow and scale a business, or if you want to mm -hmm. expand yourself, mm -hmm. you know, you want to get on more dates as if you're a single man or woman, start making requests mm -hmm. and people either accept decline or counter offer. So here's the two questions mm -hmm. you want to write down. Question number one is where am I not requesting in my life? Just take a look, just look mm -hmm. around your life, right? Mm -hmm. And just look at where am I not requesting in my life, personally and professionally, where are you not requesting? And just, just inspect mm -hmm. your life. Second mm -hmm. question is, who do you become as a human being? Who do you become when you don't request? You Very see, I, I, I see people Very all around me mm -hmm. that are never requesting. And the thing is, think about this. So when we don't request, we're coming from lack and scarcity rather than abundance and prosperity. When we sure, don't sure. request, we're contracting rather than expanding. When we don't request, we're paying a very small game in our life. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Earlier in this interview, you, I, I talked about Link Foundation, us doing $100 million for global philanthropy in mm -hmm. the next decade. I have people around me who are in the family office space mm -hmm. and say, Darren, you're playing way too small, $100 million? Like, like, why would you even spend your time on giving away a hundred million dollars? Why not go for 500 billion or a billion and solve a bigger problem? Like Elon Musk is going from earth to space. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it's all in context of the people that we, like, you know, I get around some people think, how are you going to do a hundred million? And they're like, they're really confronted by that. Like, you are never going to do that. Right? Right. that, that you right. know, that's, that's kumbaya. And other people get around me thinking, oh my gosh, right? Same thing with people watching right now in terms of what your fee for service is. Some of you are saying, well, I, you know, I should raise my rates in my service. I could be an accountant or I could be an engineer. I could be mm -hmm. a, you know, whatever you're doing as an entrepreneur self voice thinking, I, I want to raise my rates because mm -hmm. I feel it. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? You're going to get supported. You're going to get challenged. People are thinking, you can't raise your rates to car. They'll be like, my gosh, why don't you raise your rates? You're I worthy see. of it. I see. And, and, I, and I can show all kinds of stories about that in my own experience, but go ahead. Other questions? No, I was that? just going to ask that uh, speaking of tangibles now, um, you know, as you stated, uh, Darren, that you you network with a lot of high net worth folks and uh, you know family offices and things like that. Share with us some uh, sort of some tangible tips as to sure. um, how you nurture the relationships or you know what specific lead generation strategies you may be employing. Uh, or, you know, how you are sort of keeping those relationships always sort of fresh of sorts. Yeah, give us some practice. Absolutely. Tips yeah. if you can. So first thing is be a go-giver, not a go-getter. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you're dealing with family offices or high net worth or ultra high net worth families, or I even deal with some of the royal families around the sure. world as mm -hmm. well. Uh, the key thing is be a go-giver, not a go-getter. 
Sure. And so, the, can you give us some examples if you can, yeah. like, you know, if you're sending any literature around that or any specific examples, I'd appreciate that. You bet. So what I do is if I meet people online, for example, um, mm -hmm. the first thing I want to do is get their attention, mm -hmm. right? And if they're a decision maker, get their attention. Second thing I want to do is arrange a discovery call. So for efficiency right now, we use like Zoom video conferencing or sure. Skype or WhatsApp or some app or platform we use. Sure. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing I do is I want to arrange a discovery call Mm -hmm. to discover more about them by building rapport and getting related to them. I have nothing to pitch or sell or educate mm -hmm. and form. I just want to get related to build relationship equity. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dale Carnegie wrote a book many years ago called how to win friends and influence people. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen Kelly wrote a book called the seven habits of highly effective Sixth, people. Sure. Seek mm -hmm. first to understand then to be understood. Sure. And mm -hmm. so what I'm doing is when I meet successful people, so give me an example myself, people may watch this interview and afterwards they want to connect with me through my what you know website or or through social media and all of a sudden they're like oh darren's a you know high net worth investor i'm gonna i'm gonna pitch him on my product well i'm just gonna delete it mm -hmm. because the thing is there's no it's transactional versus relational I see. so here's mm -hmm. the thing to look at when you're dealing with high net worth people ultra high net worth people or you're doing with family offices the first thing to understand they don't need you they don't need you sure hey, you're, that they don't need you you're a dime a dozen Sure, okay. sure. That's an interesting uh, truth. <laughs> they don't need you. High network Absolutely. people like, like myself in my, you know, I have a phone of tens of thousands of people on my phone. I don't need other people. I've already got, you know, I've trained over a million people in 25 years doing corporate yeah. training. Mm -hmm. So I built my inner circle. I built, you know, I don't need another financial planner. I don't need another account. I don't need another bookkeeper. I don't need sure. another, you know, I, I, I've got access and resource to a lot of human beings around the planet. Sure. Mm -hmm. So first thing is to understand is people that are very successful don't need you. Another thing sense. is to consider mm -hmm. in terms of something to look at. Sometimes people that are wealthy or affluent or very successful come across as they're snobbish or arrogant or cocky and be like, oh yeah, I, that person's, you know, that person, why can't I get into that person's inner circle or their network or why don't we respond? Mm -hmm. Here, here's something to consider to give people some understanding is when somebody becomes really successful, mm -hmm. they have more visibility and more exposure. Mm -hmm. And when there's more visibility and more exposure, it opens them up to more potential risks and liabilities. Sure. Whether it's mm -hmm. themselves, it's their relationship, it's with their kids, it's with employees, it's with their companies, more, more visibility, more exposure. Okay. So the thing is, here's an analogy to give that people really understand a visual analogy. Mm -hmm. Let's say for example, Sakar, you go ahead and you're going to have a swimming pool party and mm -hmm. you're going to invite all the people in your network to a swimming pool party. It's a networking event. You're going to have food and beverages there, may have live music mm -hmm. and everybody's going to have a great time at the swimming pool party. And everybody's having a really great time. It's a networking event. Maybe it's supporting a foundation or a charity or a fundraising event initiative, or it's just a business networking thing. But one person decides to pee in the swimming pool. <laughs> in no respect, like, you know, I'm just going to pee in the pool. Mm -hmm. What happens? Everybody's going to get out of the swimming pool and you ruin the experience for everybody. Great. Mm -hmm. This is why successful people protect their inner circle and why it takes a while to build relationships or relationship equity rapport with them, mm -hmm. why they're guarded, why they have gatekeepers, why they have handlers, why they have private security detail, why sometimes you don't see much online to research them or do due diligence on them, mm -hmm. and why they're guarded is because they don't know if they invite you into their network, whether it's on the internet, on their social media, or into their network, or to be in proximity around them, they don't know if you're gonna be that one person that's going to pee in the pool. That's going to affect the relationships that have taken them years to build. Sure. Sometimes a lot of time, a lot of money. Sure. Sure. Make, so make, they're make. watching you to make sure you're not that person. 
And that's Thanks. why it takes time to get around sometimes high net worth or ultra high net worth people or family offices or royal family members because of that. Very interesting. Now, just a related question, uh, Darren. I know we are just about uh, getting to a time on a podcast, but uh, in your um, sort of experience, what have you seen? Like how, how do CEOs or high performers think different uh, or what are they uh, sort of sure. their, what is their philosophy? Could you maybe uh, sort of yep. share some? Uh, uh, First thing is very protective of their calendar. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one thing to look at is your calendar is that, that if I sit down with any high performance CEO, man or woman, mm -hmm. and I say, where are you at Thursday at two o'clock? They can tell me exactly where they are. Mm -hmm. So they are meticulous, whether it's themselves or their assistants or executive assistants, they guard and protect their calendar. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. um, there's a billionaire. I won't mention his name, but, but you would know who he is. I won't mention his name just because I want permission to share publicly his story. But um, mm -hmm. so his name. Anyways, he was working on a bunch of mergers and acquisitions mm -hmm. and very high profile billionaire. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened was he will sometimes speak, you know, do a lot of media appearances and guest speaking appearances at universities and colleges around the world and, and speak on panels. So anyways, this big corporation wanted to hire him to come in as their keynote speaker for their big event. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in Las Vegas, Nevada. And there's going to be like thousands of people there for this industry, this industry conference. And they wanted this billionaire to come in to be the speaker because they were going to leverage him with all the media and, and people like, oh my gosh, you brought so-and-so in. Well, that quarter, he told his staff, I don't care if, what media contacts me, what corporation contacts me. The answer is no. I'm focused this quarter. I'm not doing any media appearances, no speaking engagements, no guest appearances, nothing. Mm -hmm. So one mm -hmm. of these companies went off and they offered him a million dollars to come in and speak, to be on a panel for 45 minutes. He turned it down. They offered mm -hmm. him 2 million. Then they went up to 5 million US dollars. Mm -hmm. And the answer was still no. Because to him, as he gave his word, he was focused. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing about CEOs and executives is, is, is we're meticulous on focus. And also is regards to our calendar. Another thing is scheduling thinking time. Okay. Mm -hmm. High performance CEOs, high performance leaders, men and women will schedule thinking time. Like later today, I'm going on a hike in a few hours mm -hmm. to, to think about some mergers and acquisitions I'm involved with on some stuff I'm working on right now in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm involved with a bunch of M&A activity. So I schedule thinking time in my calendar just to process and digest and come up with questions and look at things, all different angles, different viewpoints, points of views. So nothing is scheduling thinking time. Nothing is working out physical fitness, drinking lots of water, exercising, getting proper rest is important. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is, is high performance people, uh, you know, in the morning we'll have a cold shower in the evening, have a hot shower. If they're retiring before nighttime, mm -hmm. a cold shower or jumping into a cold pool or the ocean or lake or river or stream or waterfall just energizes you with cold water, taking cold water and splash it on your face. Some of us remember, you know, late at night, we're driving home from some function and it's like, oh, I'm getting tired. What do we do? We turn the air conditioner on right. or we stick our head out the window. If it's wintertime, it depends where you live in the world. If it's sure. cold outside, mm -hmm. right? Another thing is to having written goals or personal promises. It's so important that when I talk, when I ask people, you know, what is it you really, really, really want in your life? Mm -hmm. Nine out of 10 times, Sakar, people say, I don't know. It's not. And here's the thing to consider. With a goal or with a dream or personal promise, it's got to be specific, it's got to be measurable, and it's got to be actionable. I'll share with you, as I know we're running short on time, I'll share with you why most people never achieve their goals or New Year's resolutions. Sure. Mm -hmm. Number one is their goal, let's say, for example, let's use weight. weight. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. First thing is people say, I want to, I want to lose 15 pounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. So first thing I do is I coach people on their language. You never want to lose something because the human mind wants to go find it again. So rather than say, I'm going to lose 15 pounds, I'm going to release 15 pounds. Just notice how you mm -hmm. feel releasing or losing. Right. Right. right? You want to release 15 pounds mm -hmm. of weight. Next thing I want to look at. So if you said to me, Darren, you know, I want to release 15 pounds. And I want to do it by July 15th. I'm like, okay, great. July 15th. And I'd say by when? By 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time Zone, July 15th. Okay. Sure. So I know it's July 15th. It's 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time Zone, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone on the North American continent. It's specific. It's measurable, actionable. Step number one. Step number two is you must link a strategy to releasing 15 pounds of weight. So mm -hmm. I would look at your calendar and I would see that Sakara is working out four days a week at a fitness center. He's doing Pilates, doing yoga, doing martial arts, doing weights, doing cardio, running, jogging, exercising, right? Swimming, biking, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. he, he, his life would demonstrate to me if I was a fly on the wall looking at Sakara's life, sure. mm -hmm. I would see Sakara in action. His life would demonstrate to me that he's got four days a week that he's taking as serious of his health that he's working out. Right, right. Third, mm -hmm. So that's number two is strategy. Number three is accountability. So mm -hmm. if I saw Sakara each day, at the end of each day taking a picture of him being on the elliptical or him jogging or running or doing weights or doing physical fitness, and at the end of the day he's taking a selfie and he's text messaging his accountability partner, accountability buddy, or personal trainer or coach or mentor or mastermind team, mm -hmm. or putting on social media as accountability said, hey, I'm doing a 30-day challenge. I want to release 15 pounds. I just want to be full disclosure. I want public accountability, right? The wall of shame if I don't follow through. I just want to be held accountable, okay? Awesome. Mm -hmm. So number one is specific, measurable, actionable result or goal, I should say. Mm -hmm. It's going to be specific, measurable, and actionable. Number two is a strategy. Number three is accountability. So when I sit down with people that are raising money or mm -hmm. I'm interviewing to hire CEOs or executives to come work on some of the companies and teams I'm involved with, mm -hmm. I start to ask questions how they solve problems, how they deal with difficult situations, how mm -hmm. they deal with conflict and confrontation, mm -hmm. how they, how do they, you know, how many hours a day do they sleep? How do they sleep? I'm just becoming inquiry into discovery of asking questions, mm -hmm. right? And we're gonna be mindful too, there's human resources that we gotta look at in terms of certain sure. things, mm -hmm. but I wanna understand that human being of what makes them tick, but also if they have goals or they have dreams or they have targets, are they specific, measurable and actionable? Mm -hmm. Do they have a strategy linked to that goal mm -hmm. or that target? Mm -hmm. And is there an accountability buddy or person or, or people involved in the accountability? If those three are not linked, guess what? The chances of them achieving that goal or news resolution are very greatly decreased. That's awesome. That's awesome. The, that's a lot of great advice, uh, Darren, there. Uh, I think I hope people got the undertones that uh, I think you were going leaps and leaps because... Uh, this conversation is not about, hey, how to journal or how to set goals. It's, 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 it's a much higher than that. And I hope the audience got the undertones there where, you know, you've been say, saying different things, but you have uh, poured a lot of value where you are pretty much outlining some of the success principles that uh, we go by. So it, it is my honor and pleasure to have you, Darren. Uh, please share with us, uh, you know, how uh, audience can learn more about you. Sure. You know, you can follow me online. Um, you know, there's not a lot of information about me because most of my stuff is offline in, in groups, but there's two websites I'll give people. First one is DarrenJacklin.com. You just go DarrenJacklin.com or Google Darren Jacklin. 
Uh, so it's darrenjacklin.com. And the second link is, is our foundation, which is link. It's triple W, it's ly2nk.org. ly2nk.org. And that's our private family foundation committed to global philanthropy. And currently right now, we're building a new high school over in the slums of Uganda, East Africa, for 328 people that live in a little remote village mm -hmm. and 111 children. And so we're going to build awesome. a 30-acre sustainable community mm -hmm. for these people over there and, and make a difference in their lives. And maybe sometimes people want to come hang out. We do humanitarian trips. Once this COVID-19 lockdown lifts around, we're going to resume going back on humanitarian trips twice a year. And we plan six months in advance if people get a chance to come with us and meet with like-minded people from all over the world from diverse backgrounds. And you get a chance to be a part of people and have a lot of fun on a two-week humanitarian trip. So we're going to do humanitarian trips over in Africa. So we go do humanitarian work as volunteers. Mm -hmm. And then we also, for a couple of days, go do an African safari and have a great time and create some great experiences. That's a great That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I can see your passion for philanthropy as well. I mean, you're very passionate about those. So I congratulate you on that. Uh, thank you, Darren. Uh, unfortunately, we, we just have just about that much time for our show, but I'd love to have you back on uh, some similar topics. It's, it's always a you. pleasure to speak with you and learn from your insights. Uh, thank you for your time today, Darren. Yvette, and thank you so much, Sakar, for, for dedicating your time and energy to putting on these podcasts to really serve humanity, really get your heart. And I know we just met and I really appreciate you for the, the difference that you're making. And I know to schedule podcasts and get guests on here is not only you with people's calendars and busy lives. So I want to really acknowledge you for taking this on and being an action with that and being a difference maker. So thank, thank you, you as well. Thank you. My pleasure. It's been, it's been fun. Thank you, Darren. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. <laughs>